I did want to get your thoughts. I know you're a Cubs fan. I know, obviously, being in Chicago, the talk of the, the whole U Darvish trade. So I'll take you back real fast. I've been asking a lot of people I've had on since going back to at least October. I've been thinking about, you know, what it makes. I mean, I thought it did make sense to trade a guy like U Darvish because you're talking about a team in the Cubs that's needs to retool somewhere along these lines. And I thought, you know, Darvish almost won the Cy Young. He's going to be 35. He's coming out. He's at his highest peak probably right now. Cash that lotto ticket while you can, essentially. At least, I, I wasn't necessarily advocating for the trade, but I understood why you might do it. So now that they have done it and he's going to San Diego, I mean, what did you think about that return? I know that's kind of the... I know in general, it's so tough. Any prospect is a crapshoot, and you never know, but you're talking about guys with... They might have a ton of high upside, but you're also talking about guys that might not even make the show or maybe one of them does. Who knows? So what did you think about just that trade going down? Were you shocked by the trade itself? I was a little confused. I wasn't necessarily confused at the fact that Darvish is no longer a Cub because I think we started to see the writing put itself on the wall a little bit as the the offseason began to progress. But... I think the thing that was most shocking to me and the thing that I don't understand and I don't think we've gotten a great answer why yet is why was December, what, 28th, 29th, the day to do it? Because this season might not start up until Memorial Day or whenever, and there's still a bunch of free agents out there on the market. I think it would have been more beneficial for a team like the Cubs to maybe wait and see how the free agent market played itself out. See where George Springer goes, see where DJ LeMahieu goes, see where Trevor Bauer goes, and then move from there. Because remember, the one thing about you, Darvish, that I think is very appealing to a lot of teams is the fact that he is not very expensive. I think he's only owed about like $19 million a year, which for a guy who could be in the Cy Young conversation, that's peanuts, it feels like. So I think you could have gotten a better return potentially if you waited to see how the rest of the market shaped out, like let's say, let's say that Trevor Bauer went and signed with, I don't know, let's pick a team that's kind of contending. Let's pick a team like the Mets. Okay. Let's say they go out they sign Bauer and they sign, maybe they get George Springer too. And we know Steve Cohen's probably going to be writing a lot of checks early on, even though it is a pandemic. So he may see that and, and, and the team may see that and say, well, we have a real chance to literally win next season. Or maybe a team like the Braves goes out and gets a guy like Bauer or something like that. And we can win next season. We just need one more piece to kind of put us over the top. And maybe that's when you start to be a little, not I don't think desperation is the right word, but maybe flexible with dealing away some of your top, top prospects. And again, I think it's I think that people maybe are underrating the prospects that the Cubs got back and be saying, oh, well, he's 11th. Well, you look at four of the top 10 prospects are already in the major league. So they're really like seventh or, or sixth on the list for some of those guys. But that's neither here nor there. And I see that. And I think maybe you should have waited. And like, I didn't remember you, Dar this is the you Darvish trade, right? Like he is the marquee name, the blockbuster name in the trade. Yeah. And you, you are the ones with the cards at the table. It's not the Padres that had the cards at the table. People want you, Darvish. People weren't necessarily fishing after an Owen Cassie or something like that. So you would have been able to get a return in whether it's December. You could have gotten a return of equal or probably greater value, I think, 
if you waited out until March, April, maybe even May, if the season hasn't started yet. So the the big question that I never felt like as a Cubs fan, I got the a good answer to was why late December? Why is that the time to make this move? Because guess what? Those prospects probably aren't going anywhere. Okay. And if they did go somewhere, you might even be able to squeak by and get something even better than that. Um, and, and maybe the Padres do go out and say, okay, well, we got we gave away Snell and didn't have to give up too much of the the prospects that we love. We can afford to give away someone a little higher ranked in our farm system. So that was the thing that was always yeah. a, a big I didn't understand. And see, the whole point with my thinking of trading a guy like Darvish was to really recoup some major prospects, and not the, nothing against these guys. Yeah, like, like I mean, you got I, four lottery tickets sitting in your hand right now, and honestly, like. I think people right. are, are giving a little too much crap to Zach Davies. I think he's a solid piece, but he's could just be a one year oh, thing yeah. for the Cubs. But you've got four guys that are 17, 18, 19, 20 years old in that range. I mean, there, there's untapped potential. You never, you never know. Like, right. One of those guys could be an all-star. Now, could it be a guy who's an all-star for just a year? And, and it's one of those things where the Cubs have to send a representative and he's just the, the best of a bad group could be something like that or could it be a guy who's a long-term all-star we don't know what any of those four guys right. are so that's the thing that's, and that's confusing it, yeah, yeah for a lot of cubs fans and that's why it's frustrating because no one's heard of any of these guys because they literally a lot of them were drafted or signed like a couple months ago or a year ago and that's just it like you could have the next you know chris bryant everybody knew chris bryant when he was you know in the minors but we saw how good he was coming out and made his debut and everything uh, and then I, I think back to Moneyball, the movie Moneyball, when Billy Bean himself was supposed to be the next big thing and it didn't work out. So you just never know. These, one of these guys could end up being a superstar. You just you just never know. I get the frustration. To me, the whole thing, it just it reminds me of the old Florida Marlins. You know, you win the World Series and then right away strip it and sell off. And it's not even like they're getting, in this case, I mean, it we don't really know yet, obviously, but it just feels like they're doing it just to uh, get some money back or save some money, and it's not so much about who they're getting back value-wise. But again, maybe one of these guys or more of or all of them, who knows? Maybe they get flipped later on. Maybe they, they pan out and are huge stars. So it's just a wait and see. Approach. And I think, too, when you look at, like, what was it, the guy that Preciado, too, is a guy who's like 6'4", six, 6'5", and right now he's a shortstop and he's 18 or 19 years old. Well, six, four guys aren't typically short. Like you can be a shortstop at six, four, but th that's pretty big. And if you fill out your body, maybe he ends up being a third baseman or something like that. So that's one of those things where, okay. Cause it was weird to me. I think that in the deal, they got Davies obviously. And then you got two outfielders and two shortstops. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if you got Javier Baez, why did you go out and try to get two shortstops? If you thought Baez is maybe a piece for you long-term, but then you start to get into the nitty gritty of it. And I think Jeff Passon kind of laid it out well too, is you don't know what these guys are going to be. Sure. They're a shortstop now, but will they end up being a second baseman? Will they maybe uh, in the case of, of Preciado, is he going to end up being a third baseman? Something like that. So you never know what these guys, again, they're only 17 to 20 years old. Yeah. They're high school. Yeah, I know. There's so much time to figure out who's going to be who, what they're going to play, where Baez might end up. Uh, who the hell knows? It's so unpredictable. So also going to the Bears real fast. Do you think they beat Green Bay? Do you think they make the playoffs? What do you think is going to happen Sunday? It's really dicey. Like 
I saw all the projections and like Steve Kornacki doing the, the Sunday night football number crunching. And I know this was before they knew all the stuff about the injuries, but to say the bears have a 72% chance to get into the playoffs, I think is very, very steep. Obviously you win and you're in, but it's not going to be an easy game to win a game that I don't think they're going to win against the Packers. And sure. I'd love to be wrong there, but it's a game. I don't think they'll win against the Packers. And then on top of that, you need something to go very, very right for you in that Rams versus Cardinals game. And I just don't know if it's going to happen without golf, <laughs> without Cooper golf, Cup. And, golf. and I know they're saying, oh, we have all the confidence in the world in John Wolford. And I think I heard, um, who did I, it may have been Field Yates talking on, on ESPN radio saying like, well, if you want to see uh, what John Wolford and what Sean McVay think John Wolford can be, go back and watch a senior season at wake forest against syracuse and i was like well that syracuse team was awful i think wolford put up like six total touchdowns in that game but it's just listen i'm not a huge golf supporter i don't think he's that great i don't think he's worth the money that they invested in him in particular but without him and without cooper cup i think it's going to be very tough for the rams to go out now i think the rams have the much better defense and Kyler Murray, whether or not he plays, he's going to be playing with some sort of leg injury. And for a guy like him who uses his legs to be a difference maker, I think Kyler Murray is not going to be the Kyler Murray that we've come to see throughout this season on Sunday. So I think that could be a problem for them. And if it comes down to a defensive battle, I think that Los Angeles has the upper hand but they're going to have to find some way to get some points. And it may have to be the defense creating some offense. I've been so impressed and it's been so fun watching all these young quarterbacks come in and just almost take the league by storm right away. We've seen, I know with Miami, they've kind of gone back and forth a little bit with Tua and uh, Fitzpatrick, but they've been making it work. You know, they, they're going to go to the playoffs. They, I think Tua is exciting. I think Kyler Murray has obviously been awesome to watch Justin Herbert out in LA. I mean, it's almost like every first round quarterback has been, making an impact joe burrow was looking awesome uh and i know you're high on the whole i know you were i was keeping up with your tweets with uh kingsbury and uh the whole the, and it's funny because i was remembering kyler murray so i remember when we, on our last pod uh back in the summertime you were telling me about the whole when he got drafted mm-hmm. by the uh the a's and baseball and you know he's obviously making an impact you made the right decision i think with the nfl it's so funny to think when you think like in the nfl or in the nba for instance you're if you're that good and you get drafted high and you're making an impact right now and making those millions right now, or he could be in baseball riding buses, essentially, right. it's kind of it's crazy. But uh, Murray's been so fun to watch. What did you think overall? Uh, I know the Cardinals are obviously in the playoff push like we were talking about. But uh, you know, it's funny because I had a Cardinals friend on the pod. He, uh, Kyle Schmidt, shout out Kyle. But he, uh, he's a Cardinals fan, uh, Arizona Cardinals fan, of course. And he is was referencing a podcast that he listens to, and they were actually this is back in like November, but they were actually thinking that Kingsbury should be on the hot seat and blah blah blah. And I I don't pay a ton of attention to Arizona. I know there's been some you know growing pains like that's normal, but I mean, is there is there have you heard any kind of uh, I guess backlash against them? I know that they may have lost a game here or there that they should have lost or decisions have been questionable. But I mean, what did you think overall about Arizona? So. I kind of agree with the whole Kingsbury stuff because I don't think he has been that great. I mean, you you look at some of the late game sequences that he's put together. I mean, I think back to that Buffalo game and I know they win on the, the Hale Murray play, but 
there was a sequence right, right. where they should have been running the ball to try to drain some clock. And because remember, they had the lead probably with like six, seven minutes left to go in the in the game. And they should have been started running the ball. And they ran three straight pass plays. And then it got to another sequence where they should have been throwing the ball and they run three straight run plays. So I'm not super impressed with, with what I've seen out of Cliff Kingsbury. And as, as someone who, who had a little wager on, on Kyler Murray for MVP, I saw the biggest obstacles there. It wasn't Patrick Mahomes, wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It was Cliff Kingsbury and Patrick Peterson. I mean, how many times did I see Patrick Peterson get a defensive pass interference or a defensive holding or get torched on defense? He's not the Patrick Peterson he used to be. And that's something that me and a couple of my buddies who are also on the same bet, we would always have our, our group chat going like, Kyler Murray is going to have to not only beat the teams he's playing, but he's going to have to overcome his head coach and, and some, of his, some of his defensive players too. So it, it just got into one of those things and you start to pick up on those things and you notice them. And I, we noticed it a lot with Cliff Kingsbury that he hasn't been the savviest in terms of the offense that he has drawn up week in and week out. And I feel like Kyler Murray has done a lot, honestly, to overcome some of that. Yeah, I do feel like uh, if it wasn't for Murray, Arizona's probably definitely not because they've had some crazy wins. I remember that Seattle game yeah. uh, a while back now on Sunday night. I mean, in the Buffalo game, he had that last second like you said, Hill Murray, which is a good uh, good term for it. But I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. I mean, they're a young team. They're, they've been exciting and fun to watch. So, yeah, we'll see. But I'm glad I asked that because I thought – I was like, are you serious? Like, I mean, like I said, I haven't been paying a ton of attention to Arizona overall, so I'm not able to catch a lot of their games. I've just been seeing what Murray's been doing, and they've been fun to watch. But I knew that there had been some questionable calls or decisions from the head coach, which sounds very familiar when you talk about the Bears. Right, <laughs> exactly. It's a, the same thing, just a, a West Coast version. So I obviously uh, – I when I listen to ESPN 1000, I've heard the term sandwich bet thrown around. <laughs> so I, I decided to have fun with that because I remember – so you have been really dead on, I think, with a lot of your college basketball, uh, whether it's projections or just what you've been talking about. And I remember you were talking on Black and Abdallah. Uh, you were saying you thought Illinois would handle Duke easily. Now, I, I'm just used to Duke. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised when they kind of start out slow here or there. And I'm like, yeah, Duke, they might win. I I didn't have any doubt in what you were saying, but I was like, hmm, let's make it interesting. I'll do a sandwich bet with you. I was like, sandwich bet. And I did this when Duke was already down like 9-2 or whatever. And I was like, they'll come back. It's fine. <laughs> and of course, they got blown off the court. And I know you said I don't have to, but I want to. I'm going to I'm gonna follow through on that. So what is your, uh, what's your favorite sandwich? I know not to do mayo, obviously, because yeah. <laughs> you already said, said that you hate mayo. So I'm not going to do that to you. But what was funny was, um, so my parents have been getting, so I have an uncle who's in Singapore Anyway, he's been sending my parents and my grandma a lot of food, and but they're in Singapore. The food's been coming from like, at least like New York, or at least one of the places for sure. Uh, and one was like the Jerry Seinfeld sandwich or whatever they call it. It was like all oh, this this whole spread, which was awesome. So I've gotten some ideas, and I know Chicago's got a ton of stops. But yeah, what's your favorite sandwich? I haven't really like explored the the and a lot of things around our office are, are kind of shut down or limited hours. So yeah it's been tough, but like, I mean, I honestly, like in terms of the places that I like, I'll, I'll eat at like pot belly or Jersey Mike's, any of those. I, I'm not one of those guys who, who really goes out and ventures to find a sandwich. I'm trying to think, I mean, there used to be a couple places in when I was in school at Syracuse that th there were some good sandwich shops up there, but obviously that <laughs> that's out of the question. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can ever go wrong with like one of the, the, the fast food chains, like the, the Jersey Mike's or the, the pop belly. You have like a preferred, uh, sandwich style or any like specific toppings or anything like that? Uh, I like turkey sandwiches. I'm, a, I'll eat like turkey and then you throw some lettuce on there, some pickles, some mustard. I mean, I, I keep my sandwiches simple. I, I'm one of those people who I, like, you're supposed to eat three meals in a day. I probably don't hit that quota every single day. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I like to keep the sandwiches simple, honestly. Yeah, well, that works. I'm definitely going to follow through. I want to. Um, it's been cool to interact with all you guys. Uh, I appreciate the shout outs and having some of the podcasts with Eric played yeah. out on the station. That was cool. I had just done my podcast with Eric like a few days before that. And I was like, I don't I don't know if like Black and Abdallah would have heard it otherwise. So I was like, hey, Chris, check this out. I got some I got some hot sauce when that whole hot sauce debate was happening. Uh, the hot sauce bandit who was taking Adam's hot sauce. And so I got Eric to uh, spill a little bit of detail, obviously. And I was like, oh, that's awesome that they play like a piece that you guys played a part of that. Um, shout out the podcast and played me and Eric's uh, him talking about the hot sauce. So that was that was cool. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a fun little debacle around the office. I, I was definitely... I was surprised I wasn't more of a suspect because the, my timeline kind of uh, yeah. added up, but... I'm glad I wasn't, and, and obviously I wasn't the one swiping the sauce. So, uh, no, I, I'm always a, an ask-before-take kind of person. So so if it were me, Abdal would have known that I was taking his hot sauce because I would have asked for it. So you do seem like the type that would ask, but I think I did throw your name in there. I'm like, hey, what about Tyler? <laughs> I was trying to, like, it I wasn't trying to get in guess. trouble. But... Listen, I... <laughs> the timelines add up. I mean, I'm there with them, and, and sometimes I have to stay a little bit later. I'll bring my my dinner in, and sometimes you need a little sauce added to it. So you never know. Right before I let you go, uh, I was just gonna say I think it's I I was listening to I listened to uh, Waddle and Sylvia with you and Jeff Meller yesterday. Uh, I listened to that last night. That was great. I loved his. Uh, I loved how he started that off with the whole party. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of tie in the Cubs and the whole that was great. Uh, but anyway, in general, I know this is obviously a good time for you because you're getting a lot of hours while the main guys are out. So I'm sure you're excited about that. But uh, it's always cool listening to you on the radio. Uh, you do a great job. So keep doing what you're doing. And thanks again for coming on. Happy New Year. And uh, that's all I've got. Happy New Year to you, Will. Anytime you want me, I'm, I'm a message away. So. Uh, glad to be the the first recurring guest on the show, but uh, appreciate you having me on again. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have to uh, do it again in the in the new year at some point. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks to Tyler Aki for coming on. As always, this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks to my guy John Christian with the intro outro music. His band, Let It Sleep, can be found across Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, be sure to rate this podcast five stars and leave a review. Three, two, one, zero, 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 and liftoff.